We are in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go ahead and get hit the ground running. If you've got your booklet, you're on page 19, but the booklet's not the good thing. The good thing is your Bible. Amen. Amen. The, book, the booklet's just a help. That's all that is. Uh, at the end of the day, though, uh, I don't care what I wrote in this booklet. If it's not biblical, we don't pay attention to it. You, 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 you scratch it out. You understand? This booklet's not your Bible. This booklet is a help. Uh, I, I, hope it, I hope it's right. <laughs> I pray it's right. I believe it's right. But, but, but if you're looking at it going, that ain't right, man. You just scratch that out because the Bible is right, not Pastor Frank. Okay? And so I want to be clear on that. Uh, all right, so we're in chapter number two. And uh, listen, what we're about to talk about today, this is a big deal. Okay? All the Bible's a big deal. We know that, right? But this is a big deal. We're talking about this one new man, okay? And, and, and just so all you women are, are, are on board here, you also. It's not just one new man, it's one new woman as well, okay? Just want to make sure the women don't, don't phase out and go, hey, you ain't talking about me, I'm good here. No, this is you too, okay? All right, good. We're on the same page there. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And we're going to read uh, verses 11 through 17. Paul says, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of twain one new man, if you got your Bible right there right now, I'd underline that right there. Twain, one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. Now, Father, we come before you, Lord. Uh, we just... Uh, Submit ourselves to you now. Would you teach us? Would you guide us? Would you direct us? May it be of you. And in your name we pray. Amen. All right. You may be seated. If you want to stand, you can do that as well. Uh, I really don't care at this point. What you do, just don't cause any disruptions, Brittany. You're, you're a troublemaker. Let's be honest. You're a troublemaker. Come on. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. In your booklet there. Um, point number one, time passed, time passed. Uh, that's your fill in there. <laughs> okay. God made a difference between Jews and Gentiles. Would everybody agree with that? It, now look at time passed old Testament in the time past. God made a difference between Jews and Gentiles. 
he made this difference, not that the Jews might boast, but that they might be a blessing and a help to the Gentiles. I love seeing Joe Mim's face, man. I just, I, I, there's something about Joe Mim's smile, man, that you just got to go, man, big, big bear right there. You got a big bear sitting next to you, and I love it, man. All right. <laughs> okay, anyways, God set them apart that he might use them to be a channel of his revelation and goodness to the heathen nations. Sad to say, Israel kept this difference nationally and ritually, but not morally. Israel became like the lost nations around her. For this reason, God often had to discipline the Jew because they would not maintain their spiritual separation and minister to the nations in the name of the true God. And just so y'all know, Joe and Ann were amongst the originals of the... Seriously, they are a big. Oh yeah, like anyone can see that. Who can see that? <laughs> we 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 met uh, we met at uh, uh, the Thorson's house, and man, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good picture. That first week in August of 2013. Yeah, Kathy, you're in the picture too. I mean, I know you want me to say it. Okay, you're in the picture too. I got gotcha. you. You are in the back. Peyton and Savannah. Gosh. Oh, my. That's crazy. Dude, look at that. Seriously, look at that. Seriously, look at that. that yeah, you can pass that around. That's crazy. I mean, dude's like this big. I mean, what the heck? <sighs> time go, t- talking about time passed. Time goes by too fast sometimes, you know? Um, but, but Joe and Ann were a big part of this church. We still believe you belong here, <laughs> you know, so, but they were a big part of where we are today, man. So man, if you've never met Joe and Ann, man, please just go shake their hand and give them some love because they're, uh, that, when you think of good folk, that's good folk right there. Yeah. All right. Letter A. The point is our position is through the body blood of Christ Now hear this, because this is important. Not Israel. Our position that we have in Christ, remember our first point there we have on the board over here, right? What chapter 1 was really emphasizing. We don't get any of these things unless we're in Christ, right? So our position is through the blood body, our blood uh, and body of Christ, not Israel, Ephesians 2.1, reminder, says, you were sinners needing grace. Ephesians 2.11 is telling us, you were Gentiles needing access to God. Okay? Ephesians 2.1-4 reminds us that it was not of works. You and I, as Gentiles, were dead. We had a dead spirit that needed revival. Okay? And, and verses 11 and 12 tell us that it's not of yourselves, we were far off. Okay, does that all make sense? In the flesh is telling us the difference between circumcision and uncircumcision, which began with Abraham, okay? The circumcision would be that that are, from a spiritual standpoint, in Christ, 
The uncircumcision would be those that would be not, if you want to bring it to the to a, uh, a, a, a Gentile understanding. But if you want to bring it to the Jew, to the uh, uh, Gentile understanding, the circumcision would be the Jew. The uncircumcision would be the Gentile. But you need to make sure you understand those are not exclusively, they're, they are exclusive, they're not the same. Okay, that, that, that's important to understand. Um, when I went through this with Justin and Jim, we really took our time looking at this because this is very important. If you grab onto what he's saying here in verse 11 through 12, uh, watch what happens and we're going we're gonna to get there. God used the covenant of circumcision with Abraham. And in your book there, I got that for you, okay? In Genesis 17, 7 through 8, 10 through 11, and verse 14. Uh, you can obviously take the time to read that if you want to. Uh, but, but, but I just want to get to the, 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 the crux of what it's saying. This was the covenant that put someone into the covenant of what God was doing. The point is, either you do the cutting off, or God will cut you off. Y'all got that? Does this have to do with salvation? No. There's a, big, there's a lot of people that think it does. No. This is the difference if we wanted to try to give it some, some uh, New Testament flavor, if I could say it that way. This is the difference between what justification is and what sanctification is. That's what's going on here, okay? Be sure to understand that at this point of the covenant, and what I mean by that, the covenant that God made with Abraham, going back to Genesis 17 now, who was not there yet? There's no nation of Israel yet. The law has not entered yet. I don't understand, honestly, why people, don't do that again, <laughs> okay, uh, I don't understand why people miss that point. It, it's almost the same thing, and I don't want to drive this point home at all, but I just want to make the point. It's almost the same thing with what people will say, well, the, the, you know, we don't need a tithe. You know, that was just for the Jew. Wait a minute. Abraham tied, and Abraham was not a Jew. The law had not entered yet. And by the way, it was a major picture if you look at that story in Genesis 14. Because he's tithing to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is a picture by far, if not it was, a pre-incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get into that right now, but I believe it was. The Jew hadn't entered yet. <laughs> there's no there, there, there's no law yet you know you got to do something with that and i think unfortunately a lot of people uh kind of miss that so page 20 in the top there their circumcision their circumcision was of course what y'all been around here long enough now you're going to be able to answer this question you should be able to what was their circumcision it was physical. Why? Because Israel, all the things that happened to Israel is, okay, so that, ladies, you know, put your, put your fingers in your ear, boys, cross your legs a little bit, okay, they got something circumcised. Y'all, 
But what was the reason? Because it was a picture of something. It was a cutting away of the of something. I don't want to use the word because it makes me cringe every time. The, the foreskin, okay? It was a cutting away of it, but it was a picture, okay? And in Deuteronomy 10, 16, uh, 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 Moses gives us what that picture was. It's circumcised, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. You got to cut something away. Who does that? Does God do it? No. And I think the sad reality is many of people today think that God just did it all and we just kind of do and keep going on our merry way. No, we have a part to play in all of this. That's what sanctification's all about. Uh, when, when, uh, when Philip, right? No. Acts 7. Stephen. When Stephen was uh, hammering the leaders of Israel, he said to them, Acts 7.51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. In other words, you have an outward appearance. <laughs> you have a form of godliness. You, you, you look like you're following after God, man. It all looks great. But something ain't right on the inside, man. Something's not going right on the inside. And, and of course, we could go to Matthew 23 right now. And we can look how Jesus hammered the Pharisees. And he, he literally said, on the outside, y'all think you're cool, man. You all think you got it, man. But we know on the inside that you got dead bones. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about right now is, 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 is this, the circumcision is of the heart. Okay, our circumcision, which would be your next fill in the blank. Look what look what Paul says, by the way, interestingly enough, to the Galatian church. Why? Because the Galatian church was still feeling like they were still under the law. And Paul's trying to correct them because, whoa, no. Okay, and he says, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision but faith, which works by love. He says in Colossians that being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened. That sounds familiar. What, remember Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1? And he says, we have been quickened. What does quickened mean? Made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Romans, he says this, for circumcision verily profiteth. If thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, and I don't care where you want to put yourself in this story, regardless, uh, I believe he's talking to the Jew here, but regardless, even if he was talking to you, every single person in this room, including myself, has broken the law, right? For we say that faith was, I'm in the wrong verse there, that thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision. And it sounds like he's double-talking, but he's not. He's just trying to say, hey, unless, there has been in a, unless there's been an inward change, then you can say you've been circumcised, you can say you've been uncircumcised, you can do whatever you want to do all day long, none of it matters. None of it matters. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it... Fulfill the law, judge thee. 
who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. And in other words, a baby's born uncircumcised. It's by nature. You have to, the doctor has to circumcise the baby, right? Y'all with me on that? Okay. He goes on to say in Romans 4, come this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, come this blessedness upon the Jew only, or upon the, un- the Gentile also. Okay, you, I'm filling in the blanks for you so you can put the, the two together. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not in circumcision. In other words, when God told Abraham that he was counted for righteousness in Genesis 15, he had not yet been circumcised. That didn't happen until Genesis 17. And the point that Paul's trying to make here and the, 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 the reality he's trying to get us to grab onto, it doesn't make a difference if being circumcised or not. Doesn't matter. What matters is it's your heart been circumcised. See, the Jew was so focused on the outward, the physical. And listen, we can be too. Well, I come to church. I'm good. And you know what? I tithe. I'm good. Well, I do this. I'm good. I do that. I'm good. But yet, that on, but that on the inside, no, you're not good. <laughs> and, the, and the point is, is God knows that. God knows your heart. Y- y'all know this, right? We can't fool God. We can't. And our heart's desperately wicked. Who can know it? We aren't going to fool God. And, and remember what the book of Ephesians is all about. Paul is presenting this new entity. What we got up there? What's chapter 2 all about? New. There's something new going on. And what Paul's doing is he's letting us know, hey, what I'm talking to you about right now has nothing to do with Jew versus Gentile. Jew slash Gentile. I'm making something new. I want to repeat that because I want to make sure you get this because this is really what this chapter is all about. I'm making something, say it with me, new. New is not replaced. That's the point. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? Are you grabbing onto what I'm saying now and why I'm saying it? If you're not, let me help you. Let me, let me bring you along with me. There is many in the church house today. There are many churches this morning that will teach, and we've talked about this a lot, around, especially around this book, what is called replacement theology. That the church has replaced Israel. That is not what Paul's saying here in this passage. What Paul is saying here in this passage is something new is being created. Therefore, what was given to Israel, what was given to the Gentile, none of that is being put into place with what is being given to this new creature. Does everybody get that now? And the reason why I'm emphasizing it is because, listen, Just please hear me, man. 
I'm not trying to call out other churches or anything like that. Okay, but I'm just trying to be honest about it. I'm just trying to let you be aware of this so you know. And the reason why you need to know, Pastor Robert did a great job when he was going through church history. He nailed that twice. Those that say that they are Jews and they are not, by Jesus' own mouth, not mine, they are the what? The synagogue of Satan. This is a big deal. This isn't just a, well, that's just your interpretation. Well, that's just the way you think. That's the way, you know, we think this way. No. Those that are saying that they are Jews and they are not are the synagogue of Satan. I mean, that's powerful language, is it not? Would anybody agree with that? Like, whoa. Jesus is saying that's the synagogue of Satan. Listen, you want to show somebody that that is incorrect? These six verses do a very good job of it. Right, Jim? Right, Justin? They do. Because Paul is explaining to us that exact point. Okay. Look what he says there uh, near the bottom of uh, page 20, 1 Corinthians 7, 19. When he's, and again, we were talking about 1 Corinthians last night in our Bible study, and, and one of the things I was trying to point out to everybody is, listen, you have to understand 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. It's an important thing to understand. Paul is calling out the Corinth church for what they're doing wrong, not for what they're doing. So when you're reading through the book, you've got to have that mindset on that, okay, I know he's talking about this, and I know as if it looks like he might be talking about this in a, okay, it's okay you're doing that. The point is, is that Paul's saying, no, it's not okay that you're doing that. If you put everything in context, and then you realize what he's doing is he's correcting them for what they're, they're doing it, but it doesn't mean that they're right by doing what they're doing. Man, if we read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that way, and you go, why are you talking about that? Who cares? Well, because it's talking about speaking in tongues. And we need to make sure what that means. And we need to make sure what Paul's actually doing in that chapter. What he's actually saying in that chapter. He's not commending them for speaking in tongues. He's correcting them for doing it. And he's saying, why are you doing this? I would rather you do. He, he's letting them know. That ceased. Why are you still doing What are you doing? He actually says it in the chapter. I don't get it. I don't get it. But... That's another bunny trail. We're not going to go down. Okay. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. He's letting him know, hey, I don't care if you're a Jew. I don't care if you're a Gentile. What I care about right now, body of Christ, is you keep the commandments of God. Stop the division. There is no more division. God has made you one. Why would God do that? Why is God doing that? Well, because obviously it's the bride of Christ who's going to marry Jesus. One. God's emphasizing something here, and it's new. He never did this before. In the Old Testament, did he ever make Jew and Gentile one? No. It's 
new. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul kind of closed up what he's saying there in those first five chapters. He says, if any man be in Christ, he is a... If any man be in Christ, he is a new... If any man be in Christ, i.e. enter Ephesians chapter 1. He be a new creature, i.e. enter in Ephesians chapter 3. Old things are passed away. Where do you think we're going in chapter 3? All things become. It's almost like God done wrote the book. And if you just know how to take verses and rightly divide them properly, you'll see where they fit. God doesn't ever just make statements. We're going to see that big time when we get to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to show you again. When the pastor has three jobs, right? But yet, he didn't just make the statement so that we just sit back there and go, and we have to go figure out what the statement means. Well, I don't know what that means. What does it mean? What does it mean to do that, right? In chapter 4, he, he, he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, that sounds good. Well, how do we perfect the saints? How do we edify the body of Christ? How, how do we do the work of the ministry? Right, John? We talked about this. Let me tell you how we do it. How do we perfect the saints? First Timothy. How, how, how do we do the work of the ministry? Jim? How do we do the, the, uh, the, the, the edifying of the body? Titus. That's how we do it. Same thing going on here. If any man be in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1. He is a new creature, Ephesians chapter 2. Old things are passed away, Ephesians chapter 3. All things become new. You want to find out what it means? There you go. We don't need to make, we don't need to go, well, you know, man, I don't really know what that means. That's just your interpretation. It cannot be my interpretation when a whole chapter is talking about it. <laughs> That's no longer my interpretation. It's what it says, man. <laughs> okay? It's a mindset, folks. It really is. It's a mindset. There is a lot of different teaching going on out there. And some of it's good. A lot of it's not. The mindset has to be, whenever you come to the Bible, and listen, this is hard what I'm about to say. This is not an easy thing to do. But the mindset always has to be, I am not going to bring my presupposition into what it says. I am going to read what it says and believe what it says. That's why I say, oftentimes around here, we can't all agree on what the Bible means, but we can agree on what it says. What does it say? What does it say? And if it doesn't say it, then why are we doing it? Where did it come from? Right? Uh, I'm going to give an example only because uh, we, we, we recently talked about this example. Well, you know, we baptize babies. Okay. So we baptize babies so that if something happens to them, they go to heaven. Oh, okay, great. Sounds spiritual. Sounds great. Here's my question. Where does it say that in this thing? Find me one baby that was baptized. Well, we get baptized in water for salvation. Sounds good. Sounds spiritual. Even Jesus got baptized. Hey, did Jesus need to be saved? Let's stop and think about that for a second now. Jesus didn't even need to be saved, so what, what are you saying right now? And by the way, 
Show me one verse in the Bible that will tell you baptism by water saves anybody. Do you see what I'm saying? And listen, we all have it. We all got presuppositions that we just thought that's the way it was. And that's fine to a point. But when you are confronted with the Bible, the question is now what are you going to do with it? Are you going to continue your biased opinion about it? Or are you going to let God's word change you? And there's where pride comes in. There's where how many times I've heard it, how many times I've heard people say it, how many times I've heard people go down this very sad road. Well, that's just what I've always believed, and I'm going to keep believing it. I just showed you it was wrong. I just showed you in the Word of God that your belief is wrong. You're still going to believe it? Yep. Anybody, anybody ever have that conversation with somebody? <laughs> like you're showing them, that ain't right. That's just what I've always believed. Man, how many times I had that conversation with my mom. How many... I would show her flat out that what she just said was wrong. I would show her that the Bible absolutely told her she was wrong. She would read it. She goes, yep, that's what it says, but I still will believe what I think. Why? Well, because that's what my Roman Catholic Church taught me. So she's putting her faith in a man-made entity over, or a man-made tradition, fill in the blanks, over what the Word of God says. It's a mindset. It is. And we need to understand the dangerousness. Is that a good word? Amy, am I way there? No? No. How do I say that? Tell me. Huh? I heard, I heard some people in the church yesterday were making fun of my uh, Robert. Under your, under your watch. You guys were all mocking me out for the way I was saying stuff. Oh. And you allowed that, Robert? Oh, good, good, good. Thank you. Right. I'm going to bet that Robert encouraged it. I, that's how I think this, is, this went. But, but okay. He, he shut it down? All right, good. Thank you. Did, did you take him out back with a bat and give him a good? You know, he need twice. Thank you. All right, good. All right. Listen, the danger of it. I don't even know what I was talking about. The danger of it is that if we allow our opinions and bias to dictate God's word, then God's word cannot do in you what it is designed to do. That's a danger. It's a big danger. So listen, I'm, uh, I am not, and I know maybe sometimes it sounds like I am, but I want to be clear on this, and, and Robert isn't either. You've got to understand our hearts on this. I am not against other churches. I'm against what they're teaching because I know it's wrong. And the Bible says to hate every false way. And if it's wrong, and I know it's wrong because I know what the Bible says about that. Listen, Paul had no issues calling stuff out. He called people out by name. I don't even do that. Y'all heard me ever call people out? Well, some, there's a couple of people I've called out by name. They need to be called out. By, they need to be called out by name. But I've never called out churches in Jacksonville by name. 
But there are definitely people that need to call out because that's not right, man. Okay. All right. Important to note, I'm back in your, uh, your sheet here, that we have been spiritually circumcised. We have not been physically circumcised. Everybody with me on that? We have been spiritually circumcised. It's a big difference. We must understand this. Okay? Let me give, give you an example why we need to understand this. Because if you think you need to be water baptized to be saved, is that a physical thing or a spiritual thing? Right there now, you all should go, oh yeah, there's no way, there's no way that can be right. Because we are a spiritual entity. Nothing we do is physical. Everything that this new creature does is spiritual. Let me repeat that. Nothing we do is physical. None of our promises are physical. Let me repeat that. None of them. Now stop and think where we could go with that. Our prayer life. Why are you praying for physical things? Huh? Let me repeat this. Nothing is physical. Zero. God is not concerned with the here and now. We may be because we're living in the here and now. And hey, man, my flesh wants a misa me. I want that. I need that. I, 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 I. And none of it has nothing to do with anything because what's the purpose of the church? What does that have to do? What, do? what does you having whatever that is, needing whatever that is, any kind of physical ailments you're going through, any of that? Listen, I am not saying that we don't go to the Father for those things. What I am saying is he has no obligation to fulfill them. Zero. None. His only obligation to his church is spiritual. His will. That's his obligation. And if you don't believe what I just said, just really go read Matthew 6 for what it's actually saying. Because he's telling you. What? Why pray for things that I already know you need? I know you need them before you even ask. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. All what things? All the physical things? Is that what he's saying? Go read that chapter. Get it. My point is, we can sit back and we go, well, you know, hey, why can't you just let me believe what I believe and you believe what you believe? And if I want to pray to God about these things, man, just let me, let me do that. And if I want to do this, and if I think water bath. Listen, I just really truly believe, biblically speaking, either something is right or it is wrong. There's no middle road. Either it is right or it is wrong. And if it is wrong, why are we doing it? Because it's going to have no benefit to us, and it's going to have no benefit to him. And if it's going to have no benefit to us, and if it's going to have no benefit to him, then why are we still practicing our religiousness? Religion is not good. That's man-made stuff. 
it's not about what you think. It's not about what I think. It's about what he thinks. And if he's not getting glory in that, then why are we doing it? Well, you know, you, you just believe what you believe and I'll believe what I believe. You know what I think that saying is? I'm more concerned what I think than what God thinks. That's what you're saying. No, that's not what I said. Yes, it is what you said. Yes, it is. Well, no, I just don't agree with what you said. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. Y'all feeling me here? Because this is important. It really is. Because listen, you know, it's appointed on demand once to die and after this a judgment. We're going to have to give an account of ourselves for this stuff. Whether we like to or not, well, you know, God, God loves me. He'll take care of me. I'm going to go dancing with him on the beach. <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe you will go dancing with him on the beach. Maybe that's true, but I'm going to tell you right now what's going to happen first. And you better understand what's coming first. A judgment's coming. And you better make sure that we have a healthy fear for the Lord. You know? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of and knowledge and understanding. Amen? All right. That definitely took a lot longer than I thought. All right, here we go. Letter E, time passed. Time passed. Not just before saved or Old Testament. Okay, so let me, let me, let me, let me, let me walk you through this. Matthew 15, 22. It says this, And behold, a woman of Canaan, Came out of the same coast, so would this be a Gentile or a, 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 a Israelite? Okay, woman of Canaan, that would be a, a, a Gentile. Came out of the same coast and cried unto him, crying unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And so what goes on in this story is, Jesus came not to the Gentiles, but to the lost house of Israel, he says in verse 24. So listen, when Jesus, in his incarnation, right, because that's the first mystery, right, 1 Timothy 3, 16, right, when Jesus became a man, a baby, grew up, all that, when he can, his ministry began, his ministry went on for three and a half years, when that happened, he did not come for the Gentile. So grab this. When you're reading your Gospels, is that Gentile material or is that Jewish material? Huh? It's Jewish. Well, wait a minute. It's in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're right. I'm not arguing with you. You're absolutely correct. However, Hebrews makes the point very, very clear that the Old Testament did not end and the New Testament did not begin until the death of the testator. And when did the testator die? Who was the testator that died? Did he die at the beginning of Matthew or at the end of Matthew? So everything you're reading through the Gospel of Matthew is still under Old Testament law until he dies on the cross. I wonder how many people actually understand that. You know how much church doctrine we pull? That's incorrect? A lot. Now you know why people mess up Acts chapter 2 as much as they do. 
we're going through a transition right now. We're transitioning from Old Testament to New Testament. There are some things that have to take place in that transition. Acts chapter 2 has nothing to do with the Gentiles. Zero. Everything that's going on in Acts chapter 2 has everything to do with the Jews. We were talking in our, in our Bible study, we've been talking about it, I said, you know, listen, and, and we've talked about this, right? Listen, you have to know who the letter's written to. You have to know, over here, over to my house, you were all cleaning, y'all found a letter, you looked at it, and you're like, oh, that, <laughs> hey, simple, that's just a million dollars, that's just a million dollars. What did you read that letter up for? That says Frank left Frank a million dollars. Where's the us? But yeah, you took ownership of that. That means much, man. I'll take, I'll take a little hand in that. I'll take a little hand in that. But you're not in It's the same thing in the Bible. It's the same thing in the Bible. That's very important. And that's very important. And from a doc, from a doc, it's written for us. Learning, learning all scriptures, written for us. Doctrines, doctrines, So we need to understand the difference. We need to understand the difference of that. And Paul makes that very clear in 1 Corinthians 10. Very clear. Very clear. That's not just me. that God was working through, that is where the promises and the covenants were made. And the promises had to be fulfilled to the Jew first. That's why salvation is of the Jew. That's why Romans chapter 1, verse 17, he says, to the Jew first and also the Gentile. 16? Oh, yeah, yeah, the Roman, yeah, yeah, I just never quote the rest of it, that's why. Right? To the Jew first. And also to the Gentile. He had to come to the Jew first. The Jew had to reject him as Messiah first. Then, and only then, could it be passed on to the Gentile. Why? Why is that? We say. Did God force that? Did God make that happen? Is that the No. No, God in his foreknowledge knew exactly what the Jew was going to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew exactly that they were going to deny him because his Old Testament scriptures all over the place. That's what was going to happen. Remember the mystery. Oh, I had it right there. Romans 116. That's why y'all knew that. No, I'm just joking. Remember, the mystery was not known yet in the Gospels. That's what's going on in Ephesians. He's revealing this mystery. What? What's the mystery? That Jew and Gentile were going to be part of one body. That's, don't miss that. It's that Jew and Gentile is going to be a new creature. That's the mystery. Did they know that in the Gospels? Did they know that in the Old Testament? Do you see how ridiculous now it is to say, well, the, you know, the Old Testament saints, man, they were just looking forward to the cross. And we're looking back to the cross. <laughs> how could they have? They didn't know the mystery. There's an impossibility that that could be possible. And it's certainly, without a doubt, no questions asked, puts a big X through replacement theology. No, Im- impossible. Yet, I will tell you, do what you want with it. 
95% of churches, and I really mean that. The more I look at it, the more I see it, the more I, I might even start jumping it up to 97 and 98. I don't know. It's almost like almost every church that I ever see, they teach some form of replacement theology. And if you've been around other churches and you know what I'm talking about, you've seen it. And I know you have. You start going on these church websites and you start reading what they're saying on their church website, they don't come out and say church. It's like the devil. The devil's not just going to come out and say it. Right? You think the devil's going to come knocking at your door with his pitchfork and his, his tail behind him? You're looking at him, you're the devil, get out of here, bro. No, he's going to come knocking at the door with a Bible in his hand. He's going to come knocking at the door preaching Jesus. You follow me? He, he's, an, he's been transformed into an angel of light. And his ministers, our ministers, been transformed into ministers of righteousness. That's dangerous ground if you don't know how to handle that. Then you wonder why in 2 Timothy he says that they're going to come and just, people are just going to get messed up by false doctrine. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And when we get to Ephesians chapter 4, then you'll know why a good biblical pastor is so important. So you don't get thrown about by every wind of doctrine. So that you can understand. So that you have somebody that can help protect you. There's a reason and a point to this whole church thing. It's not just a place to go. It's a place to love one another, to learn with one another, to grow with one another, and if it's being done biblically properly, did I say that right? No. If it's being done biblically correct, it's a place of protection. Well, you know, I go to that church because they got a great, man, man, they just really got a great children's ministry. I just love it. I just love their children's ministry. It's just so good. And their pastor, man, he's just so funny. I know y'all don't think I'm funny. I know that half of you probably want to kill me before we walk out of here. Okay? But, but listen, it's not about liking me. It's not about liking me. You, what you have to stop and say is, but what did he just say? Whether I say it the way you wanted me to say it or the way that I just say it because I'm from New York. I don't know. It's not about that. It's about, but what did I just say? Is it right or is it wrong? If it's right, get past all the other stuff because the other stuff don't matter. Can you imagine what God's going to say to you on that day? Are you going to argue with him and say, well, I just don't like the way you said that. <laughs> Depart from me, you that live in iniquity. I just don't like the way you said that to me, Jesus. I don't care. Depart from me. What are you gonna, what's your defense then? Man, we're so, so, so caught up in ourselves. We really are. And three quarters of the Bible is trying to kick that out of our thinking. It's trying to cut that out of us because it is dangerous stuff. Look what it says there in Acts 2.22. Ye men of Israel. Right? And if you walk through Acts chapter 2, if I remember correctly, I think it says it five times. Maybe more. He's constantly dictating. He's talking to Israel. To Israel. To Israel. Because that's what's going on in Acts chapter 2. You get to Acts chapter 3. 
He, he says, you are the children of the prophets and the covenants which God made with our fathers. Who's that? Who's the children of the prophets? Who did he make the covenants with the fathers with? Israel. If you don't believe that, just go read Romans 3. And, you, don't, you know, you, you can put that together, right? Uh, in, in Acts chapter uh, uh, 8, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. Whose? Stephen's. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church was at Jerusalem. And they were all, so who, when you get to Acts chapter 8, who was the church at Jerusalem? Come on now. The Jews. That's who it was. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And then you go to chapter 9 and something big happens. A guy by the name of Saul comes on the scene. Saul is heading up to Damascus to go kill the Jews up there. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, of course, we know the story. He gets saved. And then all of a sudden, the Christ says, listen, I have something for you to do. There's a ministry I have for you. And there's going to be great suffering in this ministry. But let me tell you what this ministry is. You're going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And let me explain something to you. What that means is, the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Paul, my gospel, has not been preached yet. Which means all the Jews that were saved, if you will, in that early church were not saved the same way you are. You go, well, why is that important? Because it throws Act 238 right out the door now. It throws the tongue, speaking in tongues, right out the door now. Now we don't, that isn't even to us. That wasn't even for us. And if you just start comparing to scripture, you'll understand why those things weren't for us. All right. Verse uh, Acts eleven nineteen says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about, Stephen traveled as far as Phenis uh, and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. So in Acts chapter 8, when that Jewish church at Jerusalem was scattered abroad, you would go, well, you know those guys were done preaching to the, Jew, or to the Gentiles. I mean, it's the church, right? Who were they preaching to? Jews only. Why? Because <laughs> they didn't know the transition was taking place yet. Now, amongst, uh, amongst, good, okay. amongst that, what happens in, in chapter 11, chapter 9 and 10 takes place where the, the transition's getting ready to happen now. Okay, and what's going to go down there is that Saul is now going to become Paul, the apostle to the Gentile. You get to chapter 10, Peter sees this vision coming down from heaven. He's like, oh no, Lord, I ain't eating that, man. He's going back on the Old Testament stuff for the Jew. And God says, what I cleanse and what I make clean is clean. And God is letting Paul, Peter know now that he is made Jew and Gentile. One. When? When did he do that? Acts 10, not Acts 1, not Acts 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Eight's really when the transition started to happen when Philip, now I got it right, went to the uh, place of Samaria and started preaching the kingdom of, he wasn't preaching the kingdom of heaven anymore. 
Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is a physical, literal kingdom where the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. Now, if you're sitting there going, (laughs) bro, you are over my head right now. I don't know what you're talking about. Let me just say this, okay? Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. There's a lot of folks in this church that when they first started coming to this church had no clue what I was talking about then either. They know what I'm talking about now because they've allowed that process to take place and they've been built up and they now understand what that all really means. That's how it works, guys. Don't think, don't think, I, I don't know what this guy's talking about. He's just, he's blowing my mind. I ain't coming back to this place. This guy's just messed up, man. No, 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 that's not what you do. What you do is go, well, man, there's obviously more I need to learn. What one do you think God's going to bless? God's going to bless the one that wants to learn. God's not going to bless the one that just says, yeah, over my head, I'm gone. How are you going to grow there? How are you going to grow there? And I'm not saying any of you would do that. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay, i got to finish because it's 1201. Uh, let me just finish the rest of this page. We are only children of Abraham. Oh, man, this, this is such an important uh, 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 point. We are only children of Abraham by faith, not by blood. Right? And is faith spiritual or physical? Is blood spiritual or physical? I can't even describe to you how important that point is. In Acts 10, the Holy Spirit tells Peter to go to a Gentile, and Peter doesn't want to go. Why? Because he knows his mission is to the Jew. He's the apostle of the circumcision, uh, uh, Paul says. Yet now, God is getting ready to change the program. He's changing it from the kingdom of heaven, physical, to the kingdom of God, spiritual. Gentiles now will be fellow heirs and accepted. The new program is being ready to be put forth as Paul is in Arabia receiving the revelation of the mystery, a new dispensation, Galatians chapter 1. But that new dispensation, that revelation of that new dispensation, and Paul's gospel was not revealed prior to that. And I can't explain to you how important that statement really is. It is very important because it's going to change our perspective on things. It just really is. All right, I think that's a good place to stop. I can pick pick up in time past next week. Chris, look what I'm doing right now. Ah, yeah, there we go. All right. You know, one of the more difficult jobs that, uh, I, 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 I don't want to speak for Robert, but I, I think I can speak for him, and if he wants to tell me that I'm wrong, then he can. But one of the, I think, the more difficult jobs is when you know something is innately important, and you know that you got to really try to get people to understand just how important this is, and because they may not have a big understanding of it, they kind of just blow it off. Listen, we all do it. I remember when I was taking statistics class, <laughs> you know, my teacher's teaching me stuff that I know is important, 
I'm like, this is, I don't, whatever, man. I, I don't want it. But it was important. I found out in my test, ah, uh, yeah, I better known that. <laughs> it's the same thing. I know, I know that some of you might be going, I don't really know why you're going here. Who cares, man? Tell me something that's like going to help me here, okay? I promise you, man, it is important and it's going to help you. It may not help you when you walk out that door, but you stay on and I'll promise you when it's going to help you when you're standing before him. Which one would you rather have? Do you want the immediate gratification or do you want the eternal gratification? Which one would you rather have? So I'm asking you, man, just stick with it. Stick with it. It will come. Isaiah 28 is very clear. Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Grab on to something and just start letting God build the blocks. And before you know it, you're going to look back. How many times have I heard from it from people around here? We were just talking about this the other day, right? Uh, I mean, Justin grew up in the church. And he's like, man, I, I, you, could, you could give your testimony. It, what happens is you just kind of look back and you go, man, I was, I was teaching, I was, I was teaching, I was, I was going through discipleship. And he's like, I didn't even know I knew that. Yet somehow you did. Why? Because Pastor Frank and Pastor Robert are great teachers? No, because that's what God does. And before you know it, you look back and you go, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know I knew that. But I do. And God's bringing to remembrance things. And things that you may not have even clicked in your head at that moment, all of a sudden it's clicking in your head now. And you're going, oh my gosh. That's God being faithful because his word doesn't return void. And he promised it. And it won't. But you've got to be faithful. You show your faithfulness to him, I promise you he will show his faithfulness to you. Not because I promised it, because he did Amen? Father, we come before you, Lord. We want to thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you do, Lord. Lord, I know, I know that we, uh, we have a lot to learn. I know there's a lot that we need to, to, to take in. I know there's a lot that, uh, especially around here, that gets, uh, gets uh, thrown up against the wall, Lord. And I just pray that, uh, uh, that some of it's sticking uh, and that we would continue to build those blocks. We would continue to learn and grow. Uh, Lord, so that in the end we can be better Christians for you, so that we can be what it is you have called us to be. Lord, please God help us if we're, we're, we're just doing this for our own uh, wants and needs. Uh, this needs to be about you because you died for it. Uh, you purchased this entity called the body of Christ. This is your uh, bride, uh, Lord, and we have no right to impede on that which is yours. We have no right to steal your glory. We have no right uh, to dictate uh, the way things are to be in your, uh, in your body. Uh, so, Lord, please help us understand that. Help us to be better stewards of the things that we need to be stewards over. Uh, help us to be better uh, Christians. Uh, help us to, to want to be better Christians. Uh, and, Lord, I, I know, uh, as well as I'm sure all these folks sitting in this room know, that that's not an easy process. That takes time. That takes effort. That takes wanting to be. Uh, and, and sometimes, Lord, maybe oftentimes, uh, I know at least in my own life, uh, Lord, you're, you're going to have to take us to the woodshed a few times and, and show us where we're wrong and help us to, uh, to, to, to put our flesh aside uh, so that we can allow your spirit to guide and, and lead us to your word and the truth. Uh, Lord, we do love you. We do thank you. Uh, and uh, Lord, uh, we just ask that you give us a good rest of our day. 
May everything be done for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Love you all. Have a good day.